Welcome, Cats, Kittens, Boys, and Girls. I'm Rob Lee. With me is, um, for this podcast, actually, uh, this is Getting to the Truth in His Heart. Uh, with me in this episode, I got Dan D from the Mighty Mighty Mastermind Teams Robcast. Hey. Wow. Well, I didn't feel like doing my usual <laughs> wee boo boo thing. This is a different podcast, I mean, so it's go almost, with a different opening. It's almost a full Crown City Cook, by the way. Oh, you are right it's about that. A full nom 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 dom dom dom. By the way, see, then see. there we go. And for this episode, we have the chef owner of Forged in Hamden, Chris Amendola. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. It's through. super awesome that you're here. <laughs> I'm stoked. I can't wait. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, as we talked a little bit before we got started, um, we just try to get right right to it. We try to you know show who a person is, and you're making a lot of headway in and around Baltimore. Awesome. I've been to your place. Usually, I, I treat businesses and, and people I consider artists, like, I look at them almost like a, the way I look at rappers, right? Mm, mm. It's like, if your bars are trash, I'm going to tell you your shit is trash. <laughs> and I can't say that about you. What, what you. what you do is is great. I admire what you're doing. Um, I like your food. And I want to, and I like, I guess, ultimately, what I perceive your, your mission and your goal and all of that stuff is. So... Tell us about you. Tell us about Forrest. Just like whatever version. It could be the long run. It could be the short <laughs> one. It could be the medium one. Whichever one you want to do. We got some questions and all of that good stuff. So let's get into it. All right. That you sounds good. You can plead the fifth at any time. We are cool with that. On, I'm, on... I might throw that in there a couple yeah. times. <laughs> the, the hot seat situation. <laughs> cool. I mean, so yeah. start at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, in the beginning. So, uh, um, <laughs> let's see. I, so gr- growing up, um, you know, I think that's what really got me into cooking um uh when i was real real young uh i had a lot of exposure to to foods um you know part of my weekly allowance with my with my parents was i had to sit and record uh this tv show for my for my dad while he was at work and it was back in that day with vhs you had to sit there and hit pause and record commercials (laughs) and stuff like that so you know i actually had to literally sit there and watch it you know and these shows were, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of them, but like Great Chefs of the World and Great Chefs of France and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, old, like early 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, like I really didn't know what I was watching. To me, it was just like some guys cooking on, on TV, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I sat there and watched it. You know, my, my, uh, my dad loved to cook. Um, so I got a lot of exposure from that. Um, you know, baking on the baking side of things, my mom, you know, really stepped in there with like cookies and cakes yeah. and stuff like that. That's where my love of uh, chocolate chip cookies uh, comes from. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was baking chocolate chip cookies when I was like six years old, oh, you know, awesome. so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then really past that, like, um, you know, my aunt and uncle played a lot into it. We would make like um, fresh pizzas every time, like like literally from scratch, making the dough, letting it rise, and you know. So, really, I had a lot of exposure, you know, to cooking growing up. Sure. You know, first time I ever made hollandaise sauce, I was like seven or eight years old. You know, wow. Damn, uh, I still can't make hollandaise. Oh my, it, can't do it. I can literally drink that stuff. I <laughs> love hollandaise sauce. Oh my god. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of exposure at an early age, and then. Um, you know, going into my, like my teenage years, um, I started culinary school when I was, uh, 15. Um, and it was just a, like a vocational school. Like it wasn't anything crazy. Um, and so I was going, going to culinary school and, uh, got a job, uh, as a dishwasher at this, uh, like bar, you know, pub kind of place. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) so I kind of got, you know, into the industry that way, washing dishes and stuff. Um, during that time, I kind of got, 
you know, really, really into drugs, uh, like really into drugs. Oh, haven't uh, we all yeah, at some yeah. point in our lives? <laughs> um, so kind of, uh, you know, for like 15, 16, 17, you know, I actually dropped out of school. I uh, never finished high school. I don't have a GED, nothing like that. Um, you know, so into drugs really, really heavily, you know, up until about um, 17 or 18. Uh, I actually got a job back into a restaurant. And, um, you know, at that time, I was still dipping my toes and, you know, in, in, in things. And, and uh, um, you know, it finally got to a point where I was like, you know, doing ridiculous amounts of cocaine you know at that time and i was just like i'm you know i gotta be done with this like i want to yeah. i want to yeah. cook you know I, I need i need i need to get away from this you know this is this is the town i grew up in uh in, in florida and in st augustine um so i ended up um leaving st augustine and, and i moved to orlando um and just kind of like buried my head in work you know yeah. to get away from everything oh, yeah. you know and and i ended up, i jumped from job to job there until i i landed at um uh, Todd English's Blue Zoo uh, in the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. Uh, okay. it's, it's on Disney property. And that was kind of like, oh, man, that was like an eye-opener <laughs> to me. We would do like 600, 700 covers a night, and it was like it's like real fine dining. Like, plates yeah. had to look real nice and food, you know. So it was like, you know, it was like a completely different world than anything I was used to. Um, but the chef there really, like, you know, took me under his wing and, like, yeah. taught me about, like, cooking and flavors and stuff like that. Um, um, so, you know, that was, that was a really good experience to be able to get that, you know, like high volume kind yeah. of cooking. I will never do that again <laughs> in my life, but you know, at least I can say I did, yeah. you know? Um, so, and then after that, uh, I actually helped him open another restaurant in Orlando that didn't really work out. Uh, so that's, that's when actually I left Florida and I moved to, uh, South Carolina um, and he hooked me up with, uh, chef Sean Brock, okay. uh, where I worked for him for, I think it was, I think it was about two years, uh, at McCready's. Um, and that was still hands down, probably a life changing career move for me. You know, yeah. when I got there, they had their own farm, you know, they were growing their own produce and like the food was just beautiful and super fresh. And, you know, a lot of that, like, you know, modern style of cooking with like foams and stuff like that early in you know back in the early what was it gastronomy or have you? yeah yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean that's you know that stuff's cool it's beautiful what you can do with the food and stuff like yeah. that you know but uh you know i think i think the real eye opener there for me was you know the exposure to the farms um yeah. growing up in florida you know you don't really get that a whole lot i yeah. mean you know my mom had a farmer's market uh when we were young so i mean kind of saw a little bit but you never really bit. went to the farms and yeah. like you know there i was like part of the whole process you know so we would plant the seeds and then you know we would watch the plant grow and harvest it and then take it to the restaurant and cook it and it's just like you know you saw what work went behind growing this produce you know and it's like the last thing you want to do is take it to the restaurant and overcook it or burn it or something right. and then yeah. have to throw it away and then it's like all of that's lost you know and so that was like that completely changed everything for me uh, working for Sean, um, and that's actually where I got m mostly into foraging as well. He uh, took me out a couple of times when we were out on the farm, and yeah. you know showed me things here and there. And I was like, oh, but you know this is really cool. Like you can find food in the woods, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
And so uh, I ended up leaving there and moving to uh, D.C. He's uh, getting closer and closer to Baltimore. We still got a ways from, oh, shit. from Baltimore. Oh, man. <laughs> He's like, I didn't want to Cali for a year. <laughs> uh, so D.C. was interesting. Uh, I helped open a, open a hotel there, uh, the DuPont Hotel. Okay. That was yeah. just that was just a mess. We can skip over that whole <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, this, this chapter is very short. One page. Um, you know, when I got to that hotel, like, you know, they were like, "Oh, two weeks till opening." And I was like, "All right, cool." You know, first day, like, I hadn't even been to the hotel yeah. yet. And we get to the hotel and like, still construction and there's no food. The kitchen hasn't been inspected and like nothing. And I'm like. Okay, Problems. this is gonna be fun, you know. And they still expect you to work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, like it was insane. Those two weeks, we were working literally from like five o'clock in the morning until midnight, seven days a week. You know, we had no staff. We were pulling staff together to try and get this opening. You know, it, it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I stayed there for about a about a year and a half or so, and then I was looking around. I actually staged at um, uh, mini bar for a while. Um, that was really cool back when it was like 12 seats at, at the bar. And, okay, yeah. You know, you serve 12 people, 30, 30 something courses. <laughs> like, it was cool. It was awesome, you know, to see. Um, but at that time, you know, it wasn't really what I was looking for. I was still looking to get like with the local food scene and work with farmers and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so I actually ended up moving to um, the Berkshires up in uh, Massachusetts, uh, which was the area is beautiful. Like, winters are awful i <laughs> i don't know how anybody lives in winters like that like there was like a three-month period where what didn't get above negative 20 degrees and it was just like the warnings were like you know don't go outside and blah blah, blah. and i'm like <laughs> shit where did i move to <laughs> you know but it, it was it was cool you know it was it was my first uh like actual executive chef position mm-hmm. um man i was young i was like 26 or 27 um so it was, it was kind of crazy um that whole experience of trying to run a kitchen yeah. and put a staff together and you know move to a different town and not know anybody and it was cool you know it it, it uh it's definitely a really really good experience um but that's where i really got into foraging because that area is amazing yeah yeah an old forest you know um, and I actually ended up meeting the f- the forger for the Mamafuku group. He forges everything yeah. for like David Chang and yeah. stuff like That's that. Cool. Yeah, so it was really awesome. You know, he took me out a couple times, like once in fall, uh, showed me a lot of fall mushrooms and stuff like that. And then again in springtime, was showing me like morels and you know stuff like that. And I was like instantly just hooked. And you know, yeah. like like these mushrooms are just growing. You know, like you can literally pay. 40 to 60 dollars a pound for these mushrooms but i can wow. go to the woods and get them for free like, you know like <laughs> what's better than that you know <laughs> yeah. um so <laughs> a little hint of the wood action oh yeah, yeah yeah absolutely like god the mushrooms i used to find up there were just insane um all different kinds of varieties but um uh i ended up getting fired from that job <laughs> oh, which was really funny well it's a funny story it wasn't funny at the time <laughs> but um so i had actually had this forger he brought me these mushrooms and um, he called me. He called them bicolored bolites. Um, and at that time, I didn't. I didn't know. You know, bolites. The bolite family is the porcini family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. You know. And he's like, just make sure you cook them enough because they can make you a little sick. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. You know. And so, so with these mushrooms, <laughs> it's, you know, when you cut them, they they 
turn blue, which okay. generally is a sign that you don't want to eat that mushroom. Like uh, anything that turns blue, like you don't really, uh, uh, you, know? you yeah. may turn blue. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so I had started prepping them and, you know, like I always do, tasted it while I was cooking it, check seasoning and stuff yep. like that, you know, not thinking a thing about it. Next day I woke up and I was just like, it was almost like I was tripping, but not like <laughs> hallucinating. Oh, I was wow. like spinning and like Fuck. nauseous. And I was like, I was like, oh man, like, like what, what is wrong with me? So I went to work and, you know, started getting ready for service and, and I pulled out these mushrooms and it like clicked. And I was like, oh my God, I, I ate these mushrooms. I was like, I was like, this is crazy. Like, and I ta was talking to my GM and he was like, hey, I need you to look up these mushrooms and see what they were. And like not two minutes later, he comes running back to the kitchen. He's like, he's like, yo, he's like, you need to call the CDC. You need to call this forger. He's like, what I just read, you have two weeks to live. Shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. You know, and I was like calling my mom. I was like, mom, she was there still down in Florida. I was like, mom, I need to get home. I got two weeks to live. Like I ate this mushroom and I was like freaking out. Wow. <laughs> And so I, f I had finally got, by this time it was like eight o'clock at night. So I had finally gotten a hold of um, the forger that brought me him. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you'll be fine. You're just going to be sick for a couple of days. <laughs> and I was like, he's He'll like, move. he's like that family of mushroom. There's no really mushroom that would kill you, you yeah. know? Um, so I was like, all right, you know, thank God. <laughs> Ended up getting fired from that job, you know, for, for that reason. But I actually didn't serve any of those mushrooms to guests. You thank know, goodness. Th thankfully. Yeah. You know, so, but. <laughs> That's interesting, though, that it would still be like, you know, you brought this in here. You're fired when you didn't really fully know, you yeah, know, like, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, they take it serious, I guess, when it's something like the CDC's concerned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, to be honest, the relationship with me and the owner were, were, were a little rocky at that oh, time. Oh, so, so he was probably. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like one of those up. Oh, there's my excuse. You yeah. Know? So. I mean, it's understandable, you know, whatever. <laughs> they, they say you're nothing in this industry until uh, until you get fired a few times, right? <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so then I was, uh, after that, I was, like, looking to get into New York. Um, you know, I was, I was staging at 11 Madison Park, and hmm. I was actually foraging and selling mushrooms to Dan Barber at, at Stone Barnes. Um, you know, to kind of supplement income while yeah. I was while I was staging at Eleven Madison Park, um, and then so one day I had brought mushrooms, this like box of mushrooms to Dan Barber and and uh, and the CDC there was like he's like hey we have Renee Rizepi coming in next week we need you to hook it up with you know a bunch of mushrooms and I was like sweet like I got that <laughs> you know and so spent the week just searching for any mushrooms that I could possibly find. It was fall time, so it was like perfect, you know? Yeah. And uh, I had brought him this box of, I don't know, it was probably like 10 or 12 different varieties of like all edible mushrooms, yeah. you know? And at that time I had saw online that they were hiring, so I had brought my resume along with it too. It's <laughs> a smart move. Yeah, just yeah, roll absolutely. it up here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was actually funny. I had found these mushrooms, they're called, um, uh, witch's butter they're they're um they're like a gummy bear mushroom almost mm, that's a great like, name by the way yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like they're bright orange and you know and and they're like very similar texture to like gummy bears but okay. they, they taste like mm. mushrooms and so i had a bag of them they're like really small mushrooms but i had a bag of them and i'm when dan barber looked at him he's like oh what's these and like ate one of them and i was like oh 
I was like, hope you're not busy tonight, chef. <laughs> you should have seen the look on his face. Yeah, he was good. like, am I going to start tripping? <laughs> I just started laughing, but, you know, I gave him my resume. And he's like, oh, you cook? And I was like, yeah. He's like, good. You started on Saturday. And I was like, oh, sweet. Damn, Damn that's awesome. <laughs> Impression, hell yeah. I was like, sweet, this is cool. You know, so, you know, that's how I got my job at Blue Hill. And, um, you know, that was that was a crazy, crazy experience. You know, that caliber of a restaurant, you know, within, what was it, last year? They were number nine on the, on the world's best restaurants oh, yeah. in, in the top, top 50. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Um, you know, just seeing that kind of execution and, you know, demand for excellence. It's crazy, you know, crazy. And it was like right along what I was looking for to like a restaurant on a farm, mm-hmm. you know, I could forage and bring up mushrooms and, you know, we grew a lot of our own produce. So it was like, it was awesome. You know, it was, it was, it taught me a lot about like discipline and, yeah. you know, pushing how hard you can go. And, you know, at that time we were working like 85, 90 hours a week, you yeah. know, it was, it was, it was intense, <laughs> you know, like 13, 14 hour days. And it was, it was, it's a crazy experience. Um, but ended up ended up leaving there, uh, wanting to get out of New York. Um, not quite my lifestyle, you know. Um, a hustle and bustle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah the go go go, and yeah. you know. I've never been, but I'm sure I'd be angry. It's it's intense. Wow. Yeah, it's intense for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially like going down to like Times Square and like stuff like like the touristy stuff. It's just like so much going on it's just like oh my god I'm more, like I'm more this of an art district guy just yeah. put me there where the cool shit where's the high line i'm gonna hang out here oh i can't afford it cool yeah all right yeah. i guess i'm homeless absolutely <laughs> absolutely um so so i was looking to get out of new york and i was actually looking to go back to dc because uh, my brother lives there and and you know looking to just be closer to family and stuff yeah. like that and I ended up finding a posting for uh what used to be uh, Fleet Street Kitchen. And I was like, oh, this sounds okay. cool. You know, it's a, it's a restaurant, they have their own farm, you know, fine dining, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like exactly what I was looking for. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll go to, ch- go to Baltimore. Let's check out Baltimore. Eastside, here, You know, and think, really thinking it was gonna be like literally anything else, like one to two years and, and move yeah. on to somewhere else. And, you know, I got here and it was just like, it was just awesome, you know, Baltimore's, awesome city and let's isolate all of that that's one of the key <laughs> things because here's the thing I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you got to that point because that's that's the thing where you know people people just don't see it yeah like people don't see like what's like, what's portrayed on the media is not how baltimore it is like uh, yeah you have your pockets and stuff like that but it's every it's every east coast city exactly, that's the same exactly. fucking thing. heavy urban you know everything uh-huh. is going to have its own criminal you know problem yeah it's not the worst we're better than chicago right we're still we're still better than chicago wow we're like somewhere right but, i know we're yeah. like neck and neck with them but but, but, but I, even even from the standpoint of like i always look at it from a cultural standpoint right like not necessarily in in terms of like people and demographics, but I think it it has like a certain culture about it. It's, it has like an art. It has a heartbeat. It has a character, right? Mm. So when you have people who come here, like I know people who are transplants that move here, right? Mm. And you're a transplant that's moved in here. So I want to hear about that too. Like ultimately, why'd you stay? Why'd you decide to open your business here and all of that? Uh, but I look at it like like this, where. I know people who are like in DC, and DC is supposed to be so much better, right? And they'll come up here, it's like, wow, you guys have a lot of restaurants here, a lot of cool shit that's just popping up. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, 
because we have cool shit here. Like, yeah. what, what else do you want? Yeah, yeah. And we have, like, interesting people who are doing interesting things. And I just try to attach myself to it because in some ways, in a very, very minute way, I'm a bit of a tastemaker in the different circles that I'm in. And people, like, abroad, they'll come here and say, where would you go? Mm. I was like, I try to stay informed. And, you know, I take recommendations and I give them. And that's the way I look at it. You know, we got a lot of cool shit that's going on here. Absolutely. Baltimore is, like, as a city, it's awesome. You know, it's so much culture and so much cool things. And just, it's just a cool place, you know. And, and then Maryland in general is beautiful, you know. Tw- drive an hour and you're out in the county or out in the, out in the uh, mountains. Or, you know, drive an hour or two east and you're at the beach like you have literally everything in between and the seasons seasons are great you know like winter's not so bad just when you're like tired of the cold and you know whatever it's like switching to spring and it's like summers aren't too bad so baltimore's awesome i love it here how how do the mushrooms differ because that's that's the thing like it it seemed like you you were down south you kind of hit that that kind of like slope along the like uh (laughs) what is it like the eastern seaboard or have you yeah yeah how like how would you say the mushrooms have differed because it seems like that's been a a thorough line for you so so, uh, there it's it's relatively the same there's some mushrooms you can't find here just because the um um where we are you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like a lot of the fall mushrooms you don't really get here like you know, yellowfoots and like matsutakis and mm, uh, Japanese. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's one of their favorites actually. But uh, you know, it's 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 definitely you can find everything else: morels and chanterelles and black trumpets and hen of the woods and chickens. Like literally, you know, it keeps me busy for okay. sure. For sure. Is there any um, vegetable that isn't indigenous to Maryland that you wish kind of was that you could forage? Uh, it's, you know, what I probably miss the most is citrus from Florida. Really? Yeah. Like some of the citrus that we used to get down there was just mind blowing. It was <laughs> so good. So, so good. That's awesome. See, I wouldn't expect that, but, but you know, citrus, baby. It's awesome. No, I'm just saying, you, you know, for being a Floridian, you know, it's cool that that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one, I think the one I missed the most, it was like it was these little fruits. They're probably about that big and they're virgated on the outside. Um, and it was like this. It's like this cross between a lime and a and an orange, but it was like kind of sour like a lime, yeah. but like super sweet like an orange. And it was, okay. it was oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> but you just you just can't get that up here. Yeah. Throw on the list. We got to try that. Yeah, we might need to import that. That sounds <laughs> that sounds really good. I like that. It's awesome. <laughs> so uh, let's let's start getting into some of the questions we have. We yeah. you're gonna be on the hot seat, Chris. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so you you want to start with yours? Sizzle. Yeah, I'll ask one. You know, it's going to get treated like a duck, duck, goose situation. It's <laughs> ah, a good segue right there because you know. know what I'm talking about yeah, first. He's going to go right into duck. He's like, so, so when you were dripping that duck fat, I was like, shut up. Well, <laughs> it's, well <See>? I mean, <laughs> I, I can't stop singing the praises of, of your roast duck. Thank you. Thank um, you. Thank whenever you. it's on the menu, it is what I'm getting for dinner. Mm. Uh, you, It could have been like another breakfast for dinner situation. <laughs> if that duck is on the menu, I'm getting it. And uh, I've said it a ton of times in everything I post and the reviews I've done. Uh, it is, it's the uh, ribeye steak of the poultry and I, I agree uh, game 100%. fowl. Oh, it, yeah. I've never had a duck prepared and cooked like that. Mm. Uh, so my first question was, what would be, uh, what are your top three ways to prepare a duck? Top three ways, actually really only, if it were, if we're talking about a breast, like mm. a nice, a nice roasted breast, like really there's only one way for me. Um you know, score the skin so you can render out a lot of that fat. And, you know, really it's 
about patience with duck. Um, you know, season it real nice, just salt, mm. pepper, and, you know, put it skin to side down in the pan and just let it go slow and low until you render out a lot of that fat. You just got to keep pouring the fat out of the pan. Um, and that's what gets it real crispy. Um, Interesting. What gets that skin real crispy. So then once you render the fat down in the skin, you know, generally speaking, the duck is going to be, the meat of the duck is going to be done. And all you really got to do is, you know, baste it out with some butter and garlic and thyme and, you know, let it rest and you're there. That's what, awesome. What, what are you doing, Chris? Yeah. Like... I'm, I'm taking mental notes because I want to find a duck. Like, does Wegmans have duck? Wegmans should have duck. They probably... I think they do. Yeah, I th- I'm going to have to try that at home, see how close I can hit to the mark. You We're going to get goddamn crepes after this and I'm hearing about duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you okay, yeah, yeah. We'll um, go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, let's go back a little bit. Um, so mission like if we were to talk about like what the mission of forged is like um can, can you put that into to some words or what have you maybe a few words uh man i should probably have a better answer for this i get asked <laughs> this a lot you know i think really like it's just opening people's eyes to what's around them you know what i'm saying yeah. like if i can show you that you know this plant that's growing right here like literally in your yard that you can eat you know awesome you know or like you can tap this tree that's in your yard and make your own maple syrup or you know pull water from the chesapeake bay and get your own salt you know it's just i think it's more about just you know opening people's eyes to what's around them and you know exposing them to new things and you know stuff that grows right here in front of everybody okay yeah that's 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 great actually because i think a lot of times we overlook what's right in front of us absolutely uh, and yeah, something as simple as like, oh, well, if I want syrup, I need to go to Vermont. I need to go mm. here. <laughs> I need to rob a truck in Canada to steal maple syrup. Uh, and you could easily tap, a, you know, something here and kind of it's just being aware of what's around. Just yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <clears throat> we tap we tap a lot of black walnut trees because there's a lot of black walnut trees here in Maryland. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever had black walnut uh, syrup. I have yes, not. It, I have at the breakfast for dinner event. We, yeah. we got those flapjacks. Shameless and fucking fun. Boom! I don't care. I go. Uh. La la la! You got like a big F it's tattoo delicious. on your shoulder. I, sh- I should have brought some, but next time you're at the restaurant, let me know. I, okay. still, I still have some, but like it's it's phenomenal. You know, it, yeah. it tastes similar to, to maple, but it's got like you know that nutty kind of flavor to it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you, you start looking at like the diversity of certain items, so like. I think I was watching some documentary about, um, I think it was in Japan, and they were talking about, like, just different types of salt and where mm-hmm. they get their salt from. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, dozens of varieties of salt. I was like, I thought it was just three different types. <laughs> Pink, white, and other white. <laughs> it was like, no, nah, it's, you know, it's deeper than that. And I think having some consideration for that, and I think that's what I get out of what, what ultimately you're doing. Mm. You know, it's just, like, there are more things around you than you're probably aware of. And they taste good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think I, the funny thing about salt is that the question I get a lot is, spin it. Like, yeah. where, where do you get the salt from? How do you get the salt out of the water? And like, you know, if you think about it, it's just evaporation. That's literally all it is. And you know, I, I, I have a uh, this thing. I think people forgot like where their food actually comes from. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, sure, there's salt mines and stuff like that, but you know. We live right by the ocean. Yeah. You have a free supply of salt, you know, and all you got to do is literally evaporate the water and you have salt, you know. I mean, we, we get all salt from the tears of other podcasters. <laughs> that's just that's, how we go about that's it. That's the best salt to be completely honest. Yeah, it is. Honest. It is. <laughs> and it's so salty, too. <laughs> so what, what else you got there? <laughs> 
Okay. So back to your pig ears. <laughs> well, <laughs> the the first thing that ever caught my attention about uh, foraged is you bill yourself as the hyper seasonal eatery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Like just the fact that you change according to the season. Sometimes you have special stuff in. Um, how do you determine what comes to the seasonal changes in the menu? Uh, you know, it's I, to me, there's there's 52 seasons every every week. There's something different. You know uh, what I'm saying? That's a great answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. Oh my God. Go on. I'm sorry. Get out over here. I can't help it. I can't help it. You know, especially like going into spring, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like literally week to week, there's something new to put on the menu. There's something yep. new, you know, that farmers have, you know, even summer and fall, you know, winter gets a little uh, tricky, you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's literally like, you know, everything has such a specific season and, and, that's kind of how I judge, you know, what to put on the menu. And, um, you know, some things have shorter seasons, you know, and like fiddlehead ferns. I, this is the, always the example I use. Like literally here in Maryland, you have like a literally three-day window to get these ferns before they, un, you know, un, 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 unroll themselves. And like that's it for the year. Interesting. You know, so it's, you know, stuff like that. And then really it's like. You know, what are the farmers excited about? What are they growing that they're excited about? You yeah. know, that's that's what's going to translate into the menu and, you know, make me excited and then pass that on to the on to the guests. Oh, yeah. I just know every time I come in, I'm I'm excited to see if there are changes. Mm. Uh, I always pay attention to the news feeds and everything, looking for what changes week to week, Sick. month to month. I uh, can't get enough of it, really. Awesome. Um, have you ever... Have you ever foraged something that you were like, I wish we had enough of this, but we can't put it on the menu because we didn't get enough of it? Uh, hmm. No, I don't think really. I mean, a lot of foraging really depends on the weather, you mm. know. Um, last, So, good example. Last year, we, we had a really strong start to the season of foraging. Uh, a lot of rain, a lot of sun, you know. And then come, like, mid-summer, it was like... I don't know, July through August, maybe sometime into September, like we just, it just stopped raining. Like we didn't get any rain yeah. and then basically killed foraging mm-hmm. season, at least for mushrooms, you could still get like plants and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not too big into plants, but you know, mushrooms are more my thing, but um, you know, so it's, it's really based off, off that, you know, and the first year we opened, oh my God, it, it was crazy. Like we had so much rain that year, it was mushrooms, like I have never seen before, <laughs> you know, black trumpet mushrooms, uh, like late summer. Um, there was one point in time we had 60 pounds of black trumpet mushrooms in the, in the <laughs> restaurant. Wow. And like, for me, like, I don't even know if I've ever seen that many black trumpet mushrooms. Like yeah. you're talking about mushrooms that are so light and like ones, like maybe four or five grams, you mm. know, depending on the size of it. <laughs> so like literally you would walk up to any beech tree and it was just carpeted with black trumpet mushrooms and wow. it was you know that year alone we probably put shroom soup <laughs> a thousand pounds of wild mushrooms through the restaurant like it, awesome. it was insane uh, the amount of mushrooms but you know really you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose yeah, you know yeah. it's it's just kind of how the ba- weather goes yeah, and everything. yeah i mean i got spots for days for anything <laughs> so if one's not fruiting i'll go to another another and there you so, go that's the food equivalent right. of like a skateboard that's, that's a spot right there. that's a skate spot yeah. that's a mushroom <laughs> spot right there yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> i love that that is a good analogy sir uh th- this is this is an interesting one um at least i think uh and i think you touched on it a little bit but maybe expound um 
how's your view on food changed over the years? Like from maybe where you started to where you're at now or where you think you may be going? Hmm. Like, huh, I'm looking at food in this way, eh, kind of didn't really respect it in that way previously. Uh, that's, that's a good question. You know, it's, it's definitely evolved a lot. And I think that diners have evolved a lot. I think, I think one of the big things now is people are more aware of what they're eating or at least trying to be, and, you know, trying to be more conscious of knowing where their food comes from and who grew it and, you know, stuff like that, which I think is awesome. Um, you know, I think getting back to those, like, you know, old days of like people actually knowing where their food comes from rather than going to a grocery store and seeing meat that never has a face because it's just prepackaged meat, you know, or, you know, vegetables that, you know, you can get tomatoes at a grocery store in January or February, you know, but it's completely different. You know, I think people are starting to recognize that. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. um, I think, I think it is important in, in people being like, just with the, I think increase of, everything being plant-based or at least having that attempt. And I think, yeah, people are being more aware because we have different health things that present themselves and pretty much you are what you eat. So if you're just going through and just eating something that may not be the healthiest for you or not being aware of what you're eating and cognizant of it, or just mindlessly eating Mm. because, um, just in the experience, I'm, we'll be going back soon. I've uh, told my girlfriend about forage (laughs) and now she's just like, huh, really? Uh, you didn't take me. I was like, well, uh, but, you know, going there and not mind, not like not mindlessly eating, but mindfully eating. It's yeah. like, oh, let's enjoy this. Let's enjoy each component here. And generally, what I got there, what we, that's mm-hmm. not something I really get. I like we had the uh, the what was it the smoked tomato soup? With mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. Oh it was, yeah, it was fire. It was, that was, it was awesome. It was delicious. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I don't really check for tomato soup. It's not something that's there. But having it, you know, at Forge was a a different experience. And it was like you could tell like the depth of flavor. You could tell that work was done there. It wasn't just eh. We just put that together. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like okay, I know what I'm eating here, and I'm eating this purposely. And that's like I get it, and that's what I got out of what what was being put on my plate. Yeah, what was put yeah. on my table in front of me. So Absolutely, it's great. That's cool. You know, another cool thing about what we do is like you know everything's changes a lot. But somebody tells me what they ate when they came to, I can pinpoint you know, <laughs> almost to a day of when you ate there. Because <laughs> uh, I want to say it was um uh, our server is it is it Pete. Nico? It was probably Nico. 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 Yeah. Uh, he was like, yeah, these are the last two. And I'm like, this was kismet. Oh, okay. Because so, uh, <laughs> the original post on Instagram was, hey, you need to ask for this because it's so limited. Yeah. We're only going to have so much and we're not going to put it on the menu. It's a secret item. Yep. And just immediately I was like, yes, this was perfect. This was meant to be. Um, so so let's see. Uh, I had had a couple more questions. And did you – well, I have one more. Yeah, um, well, essentially, like last year, I was uh, very fortunate enough to get to the uh, breakfast for dinner event. Mm. And I know you guys have done stuff with Iggy Ben in the past. And, um, oh, gosh, uh, I know I'm forgetting someone in there. Uh, Kevin Brothers. We there did the mushroom go. dinner. Yep, yep, yep. There it is. <laughs> um, can we look forward to any collaborations in 2020 that you can talk about? Or Actually, I actually got a lot lined up for this year. Oh. Uh, it's it's going to be really fun. So. Uh, since we're only a couple weeks away, um, <laughs> actually, uh, my first uh, guest chef's dinner this year is going to be with uh, Zach Mills uh, from Chew Chesapeake. We're going to be doing an oyster 
uh, an oyster dinner. Uh, oh, was it March? March eighth, I think it is. That's oh, awesome. I should know this. I should without <laughs> having my calendar in front of me. But uh, yeah, but basically every month. Um, so Zach Mills is March. Uh, April is Helena from the Larder in Remington. Okay. That's, that's near sophomore. Yep. She does awesome work over there. Um, yeah. Let's see. May is going to be Tay Strain. Um, good chef friend of mine. Worked for David Chang and stuff okay. like that. He's worked at a lot of really good restaurants. Uh, June, uh, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. We're going to do a taco night. Nice. Uh, with the chef from uh, Clavel. Yeah, uh, we'll be there for that. We're so going to be that'll there be for fun. that. I actually just met with him yesterday about it. Uh, super pumped for that one. That's um, awesome. July, we're going to be doing a barbecue on Fourth of July uh, with some of our friends that uh, uh, that come into the restaurant a lot. Uh, they're like have smokers, so we're going to have oh, smokers and like so cool. we're going okay. like <laughs> southern style like barbecue. Yeah. Oh, I cannot man. wait. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see July and then August is actually going to be Kevin Brothers again. We're going to for the mushroom dinner. Um, and I, I don't have anybody lined up for September or anything past that, but working on those. You so. gotta have your two up. new favorite podcasters that a lot of these events just pop in. I'm getting mental notes. Sweet. My calendar is just getting marked down. Yeah, it's like, hmm, do I just text? Is that barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds incredible. That sounds ex- extremely exciting. It's gonna be fun. It's yeah. gonna be fun. Oh man, I think I think collaboration is is really important. Um, and like, it's like Baltimore is not huge. Yeah. And I think, like, people have their scenes and everything is kind of uh, a thing. And I think when people collaborate and kind of get rid of this kind of, like, this veil of I do my shit, you do your shit. Mm. How would you describe the Baltimore food and maybe even drink scene, too? How would you describe, like, those scenes, like, compared to other places you've been? Like, I I, I would say it's more of, like, a community here. You know, a lot of the chefs, like, we talk back and forth about you know, cooks and yeah. food and, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I think it's it's a really strong community here with, with a lot of the chefs, which is awesome. I think it's incredible. The fact that you got, you guys go back and forth, like, collaborating on menus, it just it, it strengthens the art form, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's a lot of great chefs here in Baltimore, you know. We want to support each other and, you know, <laughs> raise it up, raise the bar. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, like, look, you're chicken boxer. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let's let's go into um, the 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 segment that I enjoy the most. Uh, I like to get advice. I think like everybody, I think everybody that's listening to this wants to create something, wants to put out there. This is what how I interpret food. This is how I podcast. This is how I paint. Mm. So I think advice is important. Absolutely. So. What would you say is a piece of advice that you received maybe when you were younger in your career that you think still holds true that you would share with someone who's like, hey, I'm going to go out there and forage, do some shit, wear the mushrooms, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, what, what a piece of advice you would give someone that's aspiring to be a chef? You know, I think I think the main thing is just do it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to do something, just do it, you know? You know, cooking is is – you know, I, th- I think a lot of people overthink cooking a lot. You know, it's really cooking comes from the heart. Like that's that's what cooking is. When Amen. You, you know, you don't overthink things. Or sure, re- you, you read a recipe, but like you don't follow that recipe. Like, what does it mean to you? What is what are you cooking? Who are you cooking for? You know what I'm saying? It's 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 more past that. You know, I think that's I think that's the biggest thing about getting into cooking. And you know. Or anything really, you know. Yeah. Follow your dreams, you know. Totally. 
Yeah, get off your ass. Do it. Exactly. Get, get those mushrooms. Take you know, strangle that duck or whatever. You're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I swear to goodness, if that's the only way I can get a duck at forage from now on, I will choke the life out of all the ducks. Yeah. That's a little violent. I'm sure we'll get some hate mail for it, but I don't right? care. Uh, so I'll punch a duck in the face. I don't care. <laughs> I've punched ducks. <laughs> Just actually. render that render that fat down, baby. <laughs> that sounded sexier than I wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're we're towards the end. So let's um the social media, where can he find you? The whole thing, man. So so yeah, I mean uh location, we're in Hamden, <laughs> Chestnut Avenue, thirty five twenty Chestnut Avenue. Uh social media, um Instagram and Facebook, forge.eatery. Um yeah. Yeah. Get your asses <laughs> over there. Get a plate. Chris. Dan wasn't involved. Dan wasn't here. Dan's Aww. a ghost. He's <laughs> a food ghost. Try the pig ears. Ooh. I mean, we had, we had so much good food there. But I'm just really happy that you came through. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you again, um, Dandy. Whoop, whoop. This is Rob Lee for Chris. Yeah, thank you guys. George, this is Rob Lee. And uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to getting to the truth of this art. And until next time, it's been real.